You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another special bonus episode of our Civil War podcast. My name is Rich. And I'm Tracy. Hello, y'all. Thanks for downloading this show about Confederate General Albert Sidney Johnston. Yeah, Tracy and I just wanted to do another short episode that would expand a bit on something else we touched upon in the last show, episode 82, when we mentioned Albert Sidney Johnston's resigning his commission in the U.S. Army and his subsequent epic journey from California to Texas and then on to Virginia after the start of the Civil War. We mentioned that Jefferson Davis and Johnston were old friends and comrades in arms, or at least for his part, the Confederate president considered them to be old friends and comrade in arms. You see, back when the two were at West Point, Davis had developed a major case of hero worship for the older cadet, and over the years since those days at the Military Academy, Jefferson Davis's respect for Albert Sidney Johnston had only grown. The first week of September 1861, after completing his cross-country trek, when Johnston finally arrived in Richmond and called on the Confederate president, Jefferson Davis was sick in bed, but he rallied when he heard Johnston stride confidently into the parlor. Davis reportedly said, That is Sidney Johnston's step. Bring him up. Davis had already seen to it that Johnston was to hold a commission as a full general, one of only five in the Confederate service. In fact, Johnston would be the ranking Southern officer in the field, senior even to Robert E. Lee. As Jefferson Davis wrote later, I hoped and expected that I had others who would prove generals, but I knew I had one, and that was Sidney Johnston. Jefferson Davis's confidence in the ability of Albert Sidney Johnston to command seemed well-placed. For few men in America in 1861 could match Johnston's actual experience commanding men in battle or managing troops in the field. He was born in 1803 in Kentucky. After attending Transylvania College in Lexington, where he first met Jefferson Davis, Johnston convinced his father to help him obtain an appointment to West Point. He graduated from the Military Academy in 1826, two years ahead of Davis, and while he did well enough academically, spending most of his cadetship ranked number two in his class, he also impressed his instructors and fellow cadets as a natural leader, someone whose commanding presence, whose warmth, intelligence, and decisiveness led others to turn to him for leadership. After graduation, Johnston served with competence in the Black Hawk War, 
but then in 1834, he resigned his commission in order to care for his ailing wife. Two years later, after his wife's death, Johnston set out for Texas, determined to help the Lone Star Republic defend its newly won independence from Mexico. Enlisting as a private, he quickly rose through the ranks and within a year was the commanding general of the Texas Army. After that, he served for two years as the fledgling Republic's Secretary of War. After the Lone Star Republic was annexed by the United States, when war broke out with Mexico in 1846, Johnston commanded a regiment of Texas volunteers. When their short enlistment was up, Johnston was a colonel without a command, but General Zachary Taylor thought Johnston was too valuable to lose, so old Rough and Ready employed him as Inspector General of all the volunteer troops in the Army. Johnston subsequently saw action at Monterey and Buena Vista, and so impressed Taylor that on several occasions in later years, he expressed the opinion that Albert Sidney Johnston was the best soldier he had ever commanded. After his service in Mexico, Johnston returned to Texas and tried his hand at planting for three years, before selling his farm and rejoining the regular army. He served as paymaster for the forts on the Texas frontier, and then in 1855, Secretary of War Jefferson Davis offered Johnston command of the newly formed 2nd Cavalry Regiment. Among Colonel Johnston's subordinates in that unit were Robert E. Lee, Earl Van Dorn, Edmund Kirby Smith, and John Bell Hood. After two years in command of the 2nd Cavalry, Johnston was detached from the regiment in 1857 and given command of the Army's expedition against the rebellious Mormons in Utah. After playing a vital role putting down the Mormon uprising and reestablishing government authority, Johnston was promoted to Brevet Brigadier General and commanded the Army's Department of Utah from 1858 to 1860. And then in December 1860, a month after Abraham Lincoln's election, Johnston and his family, he had remarried in 1843, he and his family prepared to sail from New York to California, where he would take command of the new Department of the Pacific. By that time, the eve of the Civil War, Albert Sidney Johnston was one of the best known and most respected soldiers in the country. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, 
shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Johnston family completed the arduous journey to California safely and arrived in San Francisco in mid-January 1861. But the general would only hold his new command for some three months. Everyone on the West Coast closely followed the news of the growing secession crisis back East. Some sources suggest that Southern sympathizers approached Johnston about a takeover of federal facilities and property in California, but that Johnston, a man of honor, refused to entertain such intrigues and let it be known that as long as he wore a U.S. Army uniform and was in command of the department, any attempt to seize government property would result in bloodshed. And indeed, to his credit, when Johnston did resign, all government property under his command was turned over in good order to the new commander. In early April, Johnston received confirmation that Texas had joined the Confederacy. That same day, he began writing his letter of resignation, little knowing that a few weeks earlier he had already been relieved of command and his replacement was on the way. By early May, after turning over command of the department, Johnston had moved his family to Los Angeles, where he stayed with his wife's brother. After contemplating sitting out the war as a civilian in California, the 58-year-old Johnston determined it was his duty to go east and cast his lot with Texas and the Confederacy. But he was leery of making the journey in the normal way, by ship, for fear of detainment by federal authorities. So, along with a small group of other Southern men, on June 16, 1861, Johnston rode out of Los Angeles headed east, determined to attempt the difficult and dangerous overland route across the continent. The company that headed east from California eventually numbered 33, of which eight were ex-Army officers, including Louis Armistead, who, far ahead in our story, will be mortally wounded in July 1863 while leading a brigade during Pickett's charge at Gettysburg. Anyway, Johnston and his companions had a dawning challenge ahead of them. They had to cross the southwestern desert in midsummer when temperatures might reach over 100 degrees in the shade and sources of water were few and far between. Besides that, there was also the constant danger that came with traveling through Apache and Navajo territory. And then, apart from hostile Indians, the party would be passing close to several Union military installations along their route, and so would risk arrest if caught by an army patrol. From either the land, or the weather, or the Indians, or the Union army, Johnston and his companions would be in continual danger until they reached the Rio Grande at the New Mexico Territory town of Mesilla, 800 miles from Los Angeles. One of the group's most difficult trials came on July 1st when they completed a waterless night march of 37 miles through the dry desert, only to discover the water at their next stop was filthy and unhealthy. They made the decision to press on through the noonday heat to the next watering hole, 28 miles away. Besides their thirst and the blistering heat, they were tormented by swarms of flies the entire way. Twice during the journey, while passing close to army forts, either southern sympathizing deserters or local citizens urged that Johnston and his companions attack the federal installations, 
but Johnston vetoed such ideas. Since none of his party were yet commissioned or enlisted in the Confederate Army, his sense of honor wouldn't allow him to countenance such schemes. The party passed through Tucson on July 22nd, pausing just long enough to gather provisions and rest their weary horses, and then there was a desperate, exhausting 85-mile dash eastward, staying just ahead of Union troops who were in close pursuit. But on July 27th, Johnston and his companions finally reached the Rio Grande. After spending a few days leading some Texas troops who attempted to turn the tables on the pursuing Yankee soldiers and trap them, Johnston moved on, and on August 8th, he at last entered Confederate Texas. From El Paso, he boarded the stage for San Antonio, and then proceeded to New Orleans, and from there on to Virginia. And, as you guys already know, once Albert Sidney Johnston finally arrived in Richmond the first week of September 1861, Jefferson Davis gave him a commission as a full general in the Southern Army, and assigned him to overall command of the Confederacy's huge and sprawling military department number two, essentially the entire western theater of the war. The mission of defending the western half of the Confederacy was a daunting task, but in the fall of 1861, if any man in the South was fit for the job, it was surely Albert Sidney Johnston. As Jefferson Davis said, quote, I hoped and expected that I had others who would prove generals, but I knew I had one, and that was Sidney Johnston. End quote. Many other Southerners thought so too, and believed that Albert Sidney Johnston would be the Confederacy's greatest general. That means it's time for this episode's book recommendation, and our recommendation this time is Albert Sidney Johnston, Soldier of Three Republics by Charles P. Rowland. You guys can find all of our book recommendations at the podcast website, which is www.civilwarpodcast.blogspot.com. Thanks for joining Tracy and me for this special bonus episode of The Civil War, 1861 to 1865, a history podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it and that you'll join us again. But until then, take care. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.